Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. This is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with Evil Wyatt. And today we have a special guest. We have Dr. John Diamond. Dr. Diamond, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, brother. I appreciate you guys having me on here today. Yeah, thank you for coming on. We're, we're excited here. We're excited. We, uh, we, we first got in contact with you um, through... Uh, Dr. Mike Spaulding, who uh, we, we love it when he comes on our show, and we've really enjoyed going on his, and so uh, we're really excited to have you here. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, like I said, I'm just looking to join forces with as many like-minded brothers, and I think the Lord's really been raising up a whole whole bunch of us here in the last five years from the conversations that I'm having as the churches kind of realized we'd sat back and let the enemy lead for way too long, and I mean, from what I read, the Bible says we're supposed to be the head and not the tail, and we've basically advocated leadership of everything from the public schools to the media to education. I mean, the whole nine yards, politics. So I'm glad that Lord's raising you know people up like you in the realm of media that helps you know get this get this word out. Well, I was kind of you know made friends with you on Facebook and kind of stalking you on there, checking out what you're putting on there, and I was going, boy, this guy. Right down the road, the same road I'm on. I mean, he hasn't hasn't put a clunker post on here yet. So I said, yeah, I think we we need to get him on and talk to him. This guy knows what's going on and going to help our uh, audience also understand what's going on, especially the projects you've been working on. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to discussing it with you. Yeah, in fact, uh, one of those projects that you've been working on is um, your... Uh, Faith and Freedom Conference that just just got uh, just had that about last week or so the last week in September uh, and and how did that go you know I I was looking at this I mean I wish I could have been there but but how did it go I, it, it went it went well like I said the speakers that I all invited in were guys that I been on the same speaking circuit with for about the fifth, last 15 years on and off and these are these are all just go-getters these are not you know have a conference once a year and feel good about yourself these are activists these are boots on the ground um people david Abemeyer, mike spalding bradley dean rusty thomas i mean mike Trawella, just the whole list of them are all really boots on the ground type of people um not not the conference that you just come in and fill your head with knowledge that's important but if you don't transfer that knowledge outside that room then it was kind of a waste of time so that's that was the great thing about this conference is every one of these guys are, are activists every one of these guys understand their function as the salt and the light and they're they're very uh, adamant about promoting that well there's a lot of the kind of the more shall we say the heretical parts of the church put on their conferences and they push their garbage or social justice and go along and compromise with evil it is good to see a conference like this where genuine Christianity is taught um, Patriotism is talked about, and these two are blended together without apology. Yeah, I mean that that is just uh, excellent to see there, and I mean the, uh, the the group that you have here, you know, the a couple that, that just stand out. One is always uh, uh, Bill Federer or William Federer. Um, I I constantly use his resources. Uh, his America's God and Country is one of my go-to books. Um, and and he is just just incredible there in that knowledge. Another one is Matrella, and on the website there one's right under another. And I, I constantly use his book too, the Doctrine of Lesser Magistrate, and also the uh, the Matterberg Confession that they uh, republished. Man, this man, th- this is exciting. Then you had you, you also had guys um, like uh, like Dan Fisher, who's in charge of the or, or who started the Black Robe Regiment. This this new idea. In fact, I think he was a legislator. I think down in Oklahoma, if I if I remember correct. Um, yeah, that, 
That's correct. Then he ran for governor, too. I think he might have come in third down there, kind of really on a abolitionist platform. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, he's really helped him get the word out, and he's being pretty successful with his, his Black Robe Regiment tour. So if you got a chance to get him up and around your area, man, it is it is, it is definitely a blessing. And he's a lot closer to you there in Oklahoma than, than he is out here in Pennsylvania. But, yeah, if you guys can kind of muster up the muster up the support to get him somewhere up in your area, man, he's a tremendous blessing. Now, is that Black Robe Regiment, is that an association of pastors across the country that have certain beliefs? Uh, yeah, yeah, basically, um, and I think you could probably just Google him, Dan Fisher, Black Robe Regiment, I believe it'll take you, uh, right to his website, but he's got a DVD, he puts on a full hour, um, really a full hour skit, I guess is what you'd call it, so what we did was we had our first set of speakers, and then we served lunch, and kind of had it almost like a dinner theater, where he was in full revolutionary garb, and he just went through the history of how the the pastors at the Revolutionary War were essential in, in winning liberty and freedom, and that's really what it's going to take, because, I mean, if, if you understand, and I kind of deal with this in my book a little bit, if you understand, there are really only ever two groups. I mean, if you look at what Christ talks about, you know, when he comes back, there's going to be the wheat and the tares, sheep and the goat, righteous and the right, unrighteous, children of God, children of the devil. There's, there's only ever been two groups, you know, we kind of muddy the waters a little bit, um, but when you understand that from a political aspect, you got a nation that's led by the spirit of Christ, and you got one that's led by the spirit of Antichrist. And for ever since the Mayflower, we've been a nation, you know, that was led by the spirit of Christ. And it wasn't until the 1960s that the spirit of Antichrist came in and basically created separation of church and state. And then our nation spiraled out of control. I mean, you went from 1960, pre-1960 to after 1960, and then you had the hippie drug revolution. You had the sexual revolution, you had abortion legalized in 72, homosexuals coming out of the closet, now gay marriage trend. I mean, you can trace everything right back to the early 1960s with that illegal, unconstitutional separation of church and state ruling, and that's really what caused this nation to turn, you know, to turn 180 degrees from what it was founded at. So that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key to restoring this nation. We restore religious liberties. We restore the true intent of the First Amendment. You know, the light will do what the light is created to do. We just can't let them bully enough to keep the light within the four walls of the church, and that's what we've allowed to happen. And so we're we're really partially responsible for it. Well, most of us have kind of come up in this time. We were talking, you and I are about the same age. Um, most of America has, has, this is the world they've grew up and lived in. They don't remember a time prior when God was still in the public schools, when prayer was still in the public schools. Everybody has grown up, for the most part, except for our, our much older audience, um, thinking that that's the way it's always been and that's the way it is, not understanding what this nation, how it was founded. We've done some, uh, some podcasts and some articles on this very topic and, of course, Bill Federer, one of your speakers, is, is very well-versed in this. And we've had Bill through this area before, too. But it's so much of what's going on today, um, part of it can be attributed to apathy, to ignorance, that people don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's safe to say, Dr. Diamond, that you're probably not a pietist. Is that correct? <laughs> And you nailed it, too, when you said ignorance, because, I mean, that's that's why I love Bill Federer, that's why I love David Burton, and that's why I'm called to do what I'm doing. We, we got, the church has got to re-educate the American people on what a true biblical government looks like. That's where it's going to start. That's what my book does. That's what my Americanism videos um, done. They've just received some awards down in Texas. 
Um, that's what it's about. It's about re-educating the body of Christ, what America looked like from the time it was founded to 1960, identify who basically overthrew our government, and then seek to seek to turn it back around. Because again, we got everything on our side. We got God on our side. We got history. We got the Constitution. We got everything on our side except just a lazy, apathetic, uneducated church. And if we can turn that around, I think we can save this nation. Now, that book you just talked about, tell us about that book. It's a book that you've been working on, and it's coming out in the name of it. Tell us about your book. Well, it, it started for me back in about 2003. Um, I went down to Alabama and stood with George, George, Judge Roy Moore when they were kicking his Ten Commandments out. Um, and then when I got back, the Lord really laid a burden on my heart for this nation and how we basically... You know, I mean, kicking kicking the Ten Commandments out is really just a symbol or symbolic of what this nation has done. The nation has basically made itself God. Our government leaders have basically made themselves God. They will determine right and wrong. They will determine what's lawful and unlawful, illegal and illegal. And it's all 180 degrees different from pre-1960. So then I came back and I started about a three-year research project where I was just studying basically everything our founding fathers. Um, the book Original Intent, if you've ever read that from David Broadbart, and I would recommend that to everybody. I have that book. Yeah, and it is just, that, that was the very first one I read, and then I started reading a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so I just started praying for about 10 years, um, just praying for this country, and then Lord finally just, uh, you know, we go to Second Chronicles 7.14, if, if my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their ways, you know, that I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. And I used to pray that routinely. And one day I was walking around, right, right where I'm at right now in my living room, I was walking around and I was just reciting that verse. And I came to the point where it says, that, you know, my people will humble themselves and pray. And this is the key verse we've been using for national restoration, I realized. This isn't the key verse for national restoration because all this is doing is telling us to pray. It's not telling us what to pray. So then I was that, that really just changed my the dynamics of my thinking. I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't you know what the Holy the Bible says the Holy Spirit tells we don't know what to pray and the Holy Spirit tells us. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what's the problem and how do we fix it? Well, man, if you go to Psalms chapter two and you read Psalms chapter two. I mean, it starts off by saying, you know, the kings of the earth have basically rebelled against me and the rulers. Um, and then it turns around and says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. And it's, man, it's just a beautiful psalm um, that really identifies our problem. Because uh, what the kings were doing was basically saying, let us create a separation of church and state. Let's kick God out and then we, the government leaders, will become God. And man, I mean, it, it is so powerful that after the apostles got beat and they went in the upper room, and they started praying for boldness, what, what did they quote? They went back and quoted Psalms chapter 2. It's the exact same thing. The kings of the earth and the rulers are bonded together in a conspiracy to overthrow God. I mean, it's it's the spirit of Antichrist. It's exactly what Satan tried to do before, you know, b- before the creation of the world. So, I mean, that's what we have to understand, what we're involved in. This is not this is not new, man. This just gets repeated and repeated and repeated um, throughout world history, and that's kind of what I cover in my book, all the way from Exodus through Nebuchadnezzar, through Darius, to the Revolutionary War, to the Civil War. Man, this pattern just repeats itself over and over again. Governments thinking they're God because they're led by the spirit of Antichrist, but then it also shows what believers are supposed to do to restore that order. So that's why we're excited about this book. And what is the title of that book, Dr. Diamond? It's just called 
called an appeal to heaven, a cry for divine justice. And if you, yeah, if you go to our website, appealingtoheaven.org, you can see a copy of it there and order it. And again, uh, Trinity Broadcasting has agreed to publish it. So it's self-published right now. Uh, hopefully we'll get a little more exposure when a major publisher gets a hold of it and starts putting it out on their platforms. Awesome. Well, uh, I, I encourage everyone to go to appealingtoheaven.org. Once again, that's appealingtoheaven.org. And go ahead and get a copy of the book. This uh, this is something I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, doing. This is this sounds this sounds a book that's right up our alley here. Um, yeah, we like books that have history behind them that shows what not only what things are today, but where did it come from? What are the roots? I, I think that's important to understand when we're seeing things that are presented as something good. When you understand that it comes from evil roots, nothing good comes from evil fruits. You can't gather figs from thorn trees. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And. Uh... And I mean, to understand it, I think the, probably the most powerful chapter in the entire book is is what I call the divine right of kings, and it's really Romans 13, because a lot of a lot of believers think that Romans 13 says that we have to obey the government. It doesn't say no such thing. It says let everybody obey God. I mean, if you look at Romans 13, it says let every soul, who's every soul? President of the United States, Congress, Supreme Court, let every soul be subject to the higher authority, for there is no authority of but of God. So in that whole chapter, I lay out what I call, because I'm a military veteran, so I understand chain of command, and the first time I ever read that, that's what I saw. I saw a chain of command. God, government, and citizens. Well, what happens, you know, if the government's, you know, God's minister and ruling under God, then as Christians, we need to obey government. Well, what happens if government rebels against God? Well, you can go right to the Bible and figure that out. Hebrew midwives didn't kill babies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't worship the statue. Daniel didn't quit praying. Mordecai didn't bow down to Haman. The apostles didn't, you know, didn't quit preaching Christ just because the government told them to. Um, so once you establish that chain of command, and then you understand, wait a minute, governments can rebel against God, and, and the only thing that saves the nation is for the saints to stay under that chain of command and say, we're going to obey God rather than man. And, and, and throughout history, one of two things happens. God will either restore that government and that government leader, or he'll cut them off. And I'll give you two examples. One, Pharaoh. You know, Moses went in and told him, he said, hey, you know the guy that outranks you? Yeah, he said, let my people go. And he's like, who's the Lord that I should listen to him? So he, he warned him ten times. Finally, he ended up cutting Pharaoh off and putting Moses in charge, and, and then you had a biblically restored government. On the other hand, you have Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar kind of gets a little bit of... Um, bad publicity, I think, sometimes because of the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but man, read the very last thing that he said in his life. I mean, God sent him out in the field to eat grass for seven years, and when he came back, he said, hey, there's somebody that outranks me, and he does what he wants when he wants, and everybody better just bow down and worship him, because he rules over everything and everybody. And that, that's, the, that's the mentality we need to get back into our government leaders. We need to get our government leaders to understand that you're number two in the chain of command. You're not the king of kings. <laughs> You're not the Lord of Lords, you know, and, and it's our job to tell them that because if we don't, who else is going to? So that, that's that's our task before us. And I think we become way too, for generations now, have been abdicating our duty to keep government uh, apprised of what we want according to, in, of course, Scripture. But then again, we live in a nation now because we haven't been doing our job and not been uh, the influence in society that we once were, and we've allowed... Supreme Court so-called rulings, which are nothing more than judicial opinion that carry no weight of law, but we've allowed these things to have us sit down and say, well, what can we do? Wring our hands. Well, the court has ruled. And we put ourselves in a situation, as you were talking earlier, through apathy, and part of that apathy is ignorance. Ultimately, this comes back on us. 
This is our fault. So we try to point fingers at government and the corruption we see in government. We need to look at the corruption in our society. These people are a reflection of the population that elects them. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I got a quote. Um, one of the other projects we're working on is called Americanism, of course, in citizenship and ethics. Um, uh, let me tell you a little bit about this because I just got a I just got an award from a Christian film festival down in Texas here a couple weeks ago. But um, and like I said, I've been doing this for like ten years. And I told the Lord, I'm done. I said, I'm done. The people are apathetic. They're complacent. They don't care. I'm, I'm tired of wasting my time and my money. And he said, write down every lie that you've heard come out of the mouth of a pastor. And I sat and wrote down 12 lies. Um, and then I, I taught them at my church. And it was so well received. The, the pastor asked me to do it on Sunday night for the whole congregation. So I did that. Um, and then we turned it into, uh, or we're turning it into a 12-part video series. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be free. Uh, at teachamericanism.org for anybody to get on and, and use and use in Bible studies and small groups. But it's these 12 lies that we really need to, we need to destroy because every one of these lies is something that came out of the mouth of a Christian or especially a pastor of why they just allow themselves to stay within the, the four walls of the church. And then, like you said about the Supreme Court, you know, they give opinions. That's it. They don't carry any force of law. Um, and that's one of the lies that we have to tear down. Yeah, so uh, boy, that that sounds that, that sounds awesome. I I'm really looking forward to uh, to watching those those twelve videos. And uh, what what are some of the tw those twelve lies? Uh, if you can remember them off the top of your head, you don't have to list them all. But what are some of those lies that you heard pastors tell? Uh, let's see. Um, so we got two of them done already. Um, we're actually thinking of doing a more like a truth project. So we're, we may be looking to to do it. Actually, I mean, we're just doing it at our church here. The first one is that. You know, we must submit to every rule of government. Well, that's that's an absolute lie. We already talked about that. Romans 13 says we got to obey God over man. You know, the Hebrew midwives, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, apostles, they all understood that. So, you know, this this whole idea that we got to do whatever government tells us to do is absolutely wrong. Um, the second lie, America was not founded as a Christian nation. I just go back and look at the founding documents and, and what our founding fathers wrote. Um, which is what you can get from Federer or David, David Barton, but that's an absolute lie. Um, the, the separation of church and state, that's an absolute lie. That didn't exist in America before 1960. Uh, the Supreme Court is the final arbitrator on all constitutional matters. That's an absolute lie. I mean, you can just read the Federalist Papers, and they said they were the weakest branch of all three. So we've, we've basically allowed a, kind of the Supreme Court to, to have a coup, really, back starting in 1925, uh, where they where they basically determined that they they are the final arbitrators and you know Congress was, and the presidency was supposed to restrain them and they never did so I mean that's just five of them right there um, you want to create a theocracy that that's one of the ones I think is funny because when you start talking about America being a Christian nation and founded as a Christian nation that's one of the attacks you get you know well this this was you just want to create a theocracy. And, and the sad thing is I hear a lot of pastors going, well, we don't really want to create a theocracy. That's the absolute wrong thing to say. The right thing to say is this world is a theocracy. <laughs> there is a king, lawgiver, and a judge, and each and every one of you are going to stand before him. So you think you can just declare sovereignty from the kingdom of God, you're fooling yourself. So nations that understand his lordship are blessed, and nations that reject it are turned into hell. That's very clearly what Scripture teaches. Well, Sam and I were just, well, you were going over some of those lies. We, we have jumped all over these in our podcast and different things, other projects we've been involved in. So, so, brother, it sounds like we're right on board with you. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's true. 
truth. It really is what it is, and truth destroys lives. So we just, we, you know, we're, the church is supposed to be the purveyor of truth, not just necessarily biblical truth, but even historical truth. I mean, nothing, nothing that is true can be foreign to the Christian, and I think that's where we've we've kind of lost it. That well, if it's not right here in the Bible, that's all I'm really supposed to preach. No, you're supposed to preach the kingdom of God and His rulership over this entire world. That's that's your number one function. Yeah, and you know, I think of Sir William Blackstone, uh, a quote from him in his Commentaries on English Law. He said, Upon these two foundations, the law of nature and the law of revelation, depend all human laws. That is to say, no human law should be suffered to contradict these. And, and, and of course, uh, Sir William Blackstone was the, the second most quoted man um, by our founding fathers, uh, only behind Montesquieu, and then also uh, both of those men were behind the Bible. Uh, from our founding fathers, but but I think about this and what you're saying, and it just reminded me of that quote because it's this idea of going. It doesn't even matter what our constitution says. It doesn't even matter what our laws say. Now, our constitution is is good and important, so I'm not trying to devalue that. But but what what matters is is that we are submitted uh, to God's law, even above any earthly authority. Well, without a doubt, and then I mean we've we've. The biggest problem we have is we've left the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence is what I call the American Statement of Faith. The Constitution is just a legal document that, that set up and framed our, our government. That, that's all that that did. And they often say, well, there's no, you know, it doesn't mention Jesus in the Constitution. Well, you know what? It doesn't mention Jesus in my lease either. But that doesn't mean I'm not a Christian or I'm not a believer. <laughs> if you want to go to what I believe, you got to go to a whole other document. Don't go to my lease or my mortgage or my cell phone statement or anything else. You know, <laughs> go to my statement of faith. Well, that's the same with America. America, and this is what we're going to have to be united around, because there's a lot of people on the left that agree with this that really don't understand this, but the American Declaration is, uh, the Declaration of Independence is the American Statement of Faith. This is what we as Americans believe, and you can very clearly identify who's, a, who's an American as far as political ideology and who's not, or who's masquerading, or who's a communist or a leftist, by just... The, the basic tenets of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths self-evident that all men are created equal, okay, we're created, <laughs> that, that he created us all equal, that he's given us rights, those rights cannot be taken away. Government's job is to protect those rights, and when government fails to protect those rights, we kick them out and put somebody else in. I mean, those are very, very five basic tenets that, man, if we just applied these as Americans, we could turn this thing around in no time. Well, it's even interesting that uh, people nowadays... And, and, and courts will opine this, that somehow the amendments, the Bill of Rights and the other amendments, s place restrictions on citizens, which is insane when you read the document understand the preamble. All it does, it places further restrictions on government, not on you and I. You and I are not restricted. There's no such thing as telling us the First Amendment restricts you and I. It simply restricts the power of government to legislate in areas like the Second Amendment, the Third Amendment. The Tenth Amendment then gives all powers not specifically delegated to government in the document of the Constitution are reserved to the states and the people respectively. So it's a limiting document on the authority and scope of government, but people still don't get it today. Well, you, you can't pray to, at a high school football game. It says Congress shall make no law. I am not Congress. I can pray wherever I want to. Yeah, and you just nailed two of the lies. Uh, one of them, that, 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 uh, I think it's lie number five, is the Constitution was created to restrain the American people. No, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights was created to restrain the government. Exactly. Um, and, then, and then the First Amendment, you know, it doesn't say I can't pray in schools. It says you can't tell me I can't pray in school. 
exactly. I'm the one violating the Constitution. You coming in and creating the separation of church and state, you're the ones that are, that are violating our God-given rights that can't be taken away, and you're violating the Constitution. But we believe these lies because the leftist secularists have taken over our colleges, our law schools, our public uh, our public education. You know, that, that's why it's so important that we, you know, that's what my master is. My master is in theology, my doctorate's in education. So I'm basically trying to educate the American people again on a, really a Christian or a biblical worldview, which is what our founding fathers understood. So we need to, we really need to get into the minds of the American people and show them the truth. And then, then that'll affect how they vote. That'll affect how active they are in their society and their community everything else. All right. Well, if you're enjoying listening to the Shining Light podcast tonight, uh, and we have guest on Dr. John Diamond, please go over to his uh, the website for his book, appealingtoheaven.org. Once again, it's appealingtoheaven.org, and go ahead and order that book there uh, and, and read it. It's something that you need to read. It's something that I'm looking forward to reading, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but to, today we have Dr. John Diamond as our guest. And Dr. Diamond, I have to, to ask this, with, with talking about all these things, and we, we've covered a lot of ground so far, and it's just been excellent, but I am just curious, what do you believe is the biggest threat to America today? What is our biggest enemy today? Well, uh, short answer, Satan. <laughs> and those who That's what I was thinking. Um, but... but I mean that that really that really is. I'm not only just on an individual scale because you have to understand that Satan Satan will try to control government because government has the power to control people. So we you know we we overlook the fact that that you know this Luciferian kind of spirit of Antichrist has really taken over the highest ranks of you know government in this nation. So um, you can look at it as the Supreme Court. Uh, for one, the Supreme Court has basically overthrown the American people. So getting them in line. Um, and then, I mean, we talked about this a little while ago. I mean, uh, you know, my, my, I was named after JFK, John F. Kennedy. My dad was a Union Democrat, and, and finally at the end of his life, he had to come to the realization that, the, you know, the Democratic Party isn't the party of JFK anymore. JFK would have been considered a right-wing religious extremist based on the party today. So Christians better wake up. I mean, the Democratic Party has been basically taken over by three groups, Marxists, um, homosexuals and Muslims. Those are the three groups that dominate the Democratic Party today. And all three of those groups hate Christians, and all three of them wanted, at the very least, to relegate us to second-class citizens. And worst-case scenario, they want us dead. So we, we have to understand the, the, the polarity in this nation. The divide is growing wider and wider and wider, and it's very start, easy to start understand. And I'm not saying the Republicans are wearing halos, don't get me wrong, but it's very clear um, that the Democratic party is just con- completely controlled by the spirit of antichrist killing babies after they come out of the womb le- legalizing every immoral thing that you can possibly i mean it's just it's it's satanic it's just evil yeah no it, it definitely is satanic and evil and those three groups that you mentioned i, I think those are three interesting groups to uh to really look at because the first one you said there i believe was uh marxist and of course, uh, Car- Karl Marx, his stated goal in life was to uh, uh, to destroy capitalism and dethrone God. Is uh, in and uh, so I mean, you look at that; that's completely contrary to America, founded as a Christian nation, and obviously it's a free market nation, also. And then uh, you have uh, the homosexuals, which uh, just in in I mean. I don't know that there's a more antagonistic minority uh, that has ever existed than the homosexuals today. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy, but their whole goal is just to destroy God's design for the family 
and God's design for sexuality and uh, just completely destroy um, basically the fabric of how we pass down our morality uh, in, in that structure. And then also, um, the third one there you said was the Muslims. And the Muslims absolutely hate Christians, of course. They're opposed to Christianity. Uh, we don't even kind of serve the same God, um, uh, even though the Southern Baptist, Baptist Convention's president goes and says that uh, we that you can call God Allah and Allah God, and it's, it's the, you can use those interchangeably and things like that. Um, we don't serve the same God as the Muslims. It's completely different, and they're trying to go and bring in Sharia law a, a different moral arbiter, one that, that is fake and, of course, humanistic, ultimately, uh, through Muhammad, uh, that goes and brings oppression and in, in satanic oppression on top of that. And so I think it's interesting, uh, those three groups that you pointed out, how they all three attack the, the, the moral fiber in the foundation of America itself. Exactly, and that's why I said, and they're coming together in unity. Now, the homosexuals don't realize that as soon as the Muslims come into power, they'll kill them. So they're basically, yeah. you know, what the what the communists always call useful idiots, people that will will use to give us political power. And then when we're, it's what it's what Hitler did, and you know, the night of the long knives, he he set all these criminals and homosexuals free on on uh, on uh, Europe, on Germany, and then basically said, "Give me power, and I'll I'll end all of this." And then and then he went out and killed them all. It's called the night of the long knives. So, I mean, we, we have to understand it's, it's, you know, these groups will come and work together, but as soon as, uh, as soon as they get power, then they'll start turning on one another like all criminals do. Um, so, yeah, we gotta, we gotta understand we're in a battle, what I call, we're in a battle between two flags. Um, the appeal to heaven, if you look on my book or if you go on the website and I actually talk about it, the appeal to heaven flag, which is a white flag with a green evergreen tree on it, that was America's first flag. Um, but George Washington hung that over six of his Navy cruisers, and it says an appeal to heaven right on it. In other words, whenever your government rebels against God, you still have one place to go. You can appeal to heaven. You can appeal over the head of government. Um, and this is what I ask people when I talk to pro-life people. I'm like, you know, why do we have abortion? And they say Roe v. Wade. And I say, why didn't we appeal that? They're like, appeal it where? Well, if you don't understand Romans 13, that there's one, there's one authority that's still above the Supreme Court that we can appeal to, then you kind of just run around twiddling your thumbs thinking that you're helpless. No. Our founding fathers understood you can appeal to heaven. I mean, it goes clear back to the book of Exodus. You know, when Pharaoh illegally enslaved the children of Israel, what did, it, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. The Lord heard them. He sent Moses in. Moses went in and said, I've heard the people appealing to heaven. Now go in and rescue them. Our founding fathers understood that. And I got, a, I got all of this detailed in the book. I mean, our first flag was the appeal to heaven flag. Our first seal was a picture of Moses and the Red Sea. I mean, that's that's what our founding fathers saw ourselves as, is basically God's people being ruled by Pharaoh. I think Thomas Paine, even in his writings, actually called the king of England Pharaoh. So, I mean, they were using that same appeal to heaven that the, that, that the Exodus story talks about. And every time this has been used throughout history, it's successful because it's God's plan for restoring a legitimate government. That's right, and that... Uh... That, that seal that you're talking about there with uh, uh, the Red Sea and Pharaoh, I think that was uh, suggested with Ben Franklin when uh, when he also said uh, resistance, resisting tyrants is obedience to God or defined Rebe tyrants. Rebellion to tyrants That's what it was. is obedience yeah. to God. And I believe it was Franklin wanted that to actually be our national seal, that picture of Moses parting the Red Sea and the yeah. pillar of God in the distance. 
Yep, yeah, him and uh, I think it was the committee that actually came up with that was him, John Adams, and I believe Jefferson. There was three of them. It's in my book. I actually got a picture of the seal in the book, the original seal that they kind of hand, hand drawn out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just really shows that it really just shows what their biblical worldview was. Is they they understood that kings are not God, that kings can rebel against God, and that's what they felt the King of England did. I mean, read the Declaration of Independence. They listed twenty-seven crimes that the, the King of England was committing, and, and kidnapping, murder. I mean, all of these things. So you know, what do you do when your government becomes the criminal? And, and so, I mean, you got one life, you got one place left to go. You can appeal to them to try to get them back on on the right page, like Moses did. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, they're not going to they're not going to surrender that power. They're, you know, we don't have to listen to these peasants. So then, you have one place to go. You can appeal to heaven, and that's what it says in the Declaration of Independence. So after they list the twenty seven crimes, what's it say at the bottom of the document? We are appealing to the supreme judge of the universe for the righteousness of our intentions. In other words, we're right. The king's wrong. He's a criminal. We tried to appeal to you for about 25 years. <laughs> you know, our, our appeals have been met with nothing but, you know, the, the, the bayonet. You know, we're done appealing to you. We're appealing to heaven. We're appealing above your head, and we're giving you this Declaration of Independence. And you saw what happened. A nation of farmers with pitchforks beat, beat the, the largest military superpower in the history of the world because they appealed to heaven. That's right. When, when, when we have God on our side, uh, we're always in the majority, right? <laughs> Without a doubt, yeah. And then you study that in the Old Testament. It talks about all the all the angels that are, you know, when when they open the prophet or the prophet opened the guy's eyes and he said, "Look," and he said, "Those who are those who are for us are greater than those who are against us." That that's the power of the appeal to heaven. We need to be we need to be calling in. I'm, I'm an Air Force veteran. If you understand warfare, warfare takes place in two realms. First off, you got the Air Force that goes in and gets air superiority, and then but then you need boots on the ground. So what the appeal to heaven is is it's a prayer. Um, basically, we're calling in the Air Force. We're calling in the spiritual Air Force. We're calling in the angelic beings. Um, but then there's going to be a come a time that then you're going to have to go ahead and put the boots on the ground uh, to drive the enemy out. So it's really, it's really kind of a multifaceted strategy. Well, you know, you were talking about um, Romans 13, and there was a sermon 1750 by Jonathan Mayhew that kind of really, it's a great sermon. Um, you can look up 1750 Jonathan Mayhew's sermon. I the it's kind of a longer title, but uh, um, we actually looked at that a little bit a while back in a podcast. But it was what the founders used to, to determine and show that um, Romans 13 does not call for absolute obedience to government. That even government is delegated authority, like you said. And when they become in defiance of God, and just as our Declaration of Independence said, they become an illegitimate government before God and men. And then we have a duty and responsibility, both as citizens and as Christians, the founders believed, to right that wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like I said, that's just that's just more and more, and that really is kind of what the the Patriot pastors, like uh, Dan Fisher and them. I mean, that's that's what they all understood because I mean they got run out of England for what the, for what they were called sedition, seditious acts. Here are these churches, here are these pastors, all basically preaching sedition against government. We're not preaching sedition against government. You're the ones that are already <laughs> rebelling against God. And when you understand, when you understand the history of the Christian Church, even before America. America was founded, Christ was was killed for sedition. The early church was killed for sedition because, I mean, what would they do? They weren't they were running around telling everybody Jesus loves you and died for their sins. They were going from town to town saying that there is a king 
that outranks Caesar, and his name is Christ. So, and I just preached on this at my conference. I said, you look at Acts chapter 4, you know, they got beat by the government. They went in the upper room. They prayed for boldness. What did they What did they pray? They quoted Psalms chapter 2, that the kings and the rulers of the earth had rebelled against God. They prayed for boldness, and from Acts 4 to Acts 17, a span of about 17 years, they went 1,500 miles. They traveled all through the Roman Empire with one message. There is a king that outranks Caesar, and his name is Christ. So when they got to, when they got to Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, it says these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, um, saying that, that we don't have to obey the decrees of Caesar because there's another king and his name's Jesus. That's the message that's going to turn this world upside down. It's the message that's going to have to turn America upside down. And the reason that we don't walk in the power and the authority that the early church did, because we're not preaching the same message. You know, we're, we're preaching the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, and atoning death of Christ. That, that's great. That's part of what we're supposed to do. But we're supposed to be preaching the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is that Christ is king, lawgiver, and judge. And we need to be telling every person, <laughs> from the smallest to the greatest, that that is the reality of, of true government. Um, and it was what I call divine government, or the universal chain of command. Well, when government, when our government itself violates, and it doesn't matter whether it's the president or the houses of Congress or any of their bureaucrats or any of these agencies they've created, when any of these people go outside the Constitution, the Constitution, as we talked about, binds them. So it's the supreme law of the land. They become lawbreakers, and of course they've done it so much and so often here over the last decades or even century that it's become common for us to understand, well, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're way beyond their level. Every time they do that, they violate the law. They violate the Constitution that constrains them. They once again prove themselves illegitimate. That's right. And it's, and it's what our founding fathers called tyrants. We don't really use that too often today, but if you go to my teachamericanism.org and look at that first video, that's what I talk about. I share the chain of command, God, government, citizens, um, and then when the government leader rebels against God, he becomes a tyrant. And I, and I make it clear, I'm not talking about the guy just going out and committing adultery. He becomes an individual transgressor when he does that because he comes out from under God's law. What makes him a tyrant then is when he begins to use the power of his government, whether it's laws, whether it's jail, whether it's death, a sword. When he begins to use the power of his government to make you disobey God, that's what makes him a tyrant. And that's exactly what Pharaoh was doing with the Hebrew midwives when he said, you will murder those babies. And they're like, we will not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, the government said, we will force you by law to break the first and second commandment. And they're like, no, we will not. I mean, see, we have to understand, we have to redefine all these terms again. The governments are not the supreme authority. They are limited by God. There are things they can do. There are things they can't do. When they rebel against God, they become a tyrant. And that's what we need to be pointing out. Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles answered, we ought to obey God rather than men. So, Without a doubt, that's the, that's the key right there. Find out, this is what I talk about in, in, in the video, because like I said, as an Air Force veteran, I understand a chain of command. If a general tells me to do something, a sergeant tells me to do something out, they both outrank me. They're both higher than me in the chain of command, but I better do what the general says and not the <laughs> sergeant. So, I mean, I, I ran into situations in the military where I was given conflicting orders by two people above me. Well, I just, I just had to figure out which one outranked who and then do what he says. That's the same thing spiritually. We need to find out what God has said to do and not to do. And then if man, even government, comes and, and contradicts that, we need to just obey, obey the highest in the chain of command. And that's what the founding, or that's what the uh, 
uh, the founding fathers of the church, the apostles did, we must obey God rather than man. In other words, our government, because it was the government that was commanding them not to preach the name of Christ. Right, and, and you know, there's one word that just keeps coming to my mind here as we're, we're going through this discussion, and, and that is the word interposition, interposition. And uh, it sounds like you're, you're calling for us to interpose here, to, to come in between um, uh, God and our, and our nation, and of course to obey God, but uh, to do that, what, what do you think is the, the best uh, way for, for um, the everyday citizen to get their, their boots on the ground and to, uh, uh, and to use that doctrine of interposition? Yeah, I mean, yeah, get, for one, get Matt Trevello's book and watch his videos and understand that, that, uh, that ideology, I mean, quite clearly. Um, but interposition is the only way. Because when you understand chain of command, I mean, there's varying levels of government. I mean, all the way down from city council up through, you know, the states, all the way up to the federal. There, there's, there's a huge chain of command. And when something bad comes down from up on top, like the Supreme Court, any government official in that chain of command has the, the authority to interpose. The, the authority to say, no, that's a bad ruling and we're not going to enforce that. And, and here's what I talked about in my conference. I said, you realize every single story that you tell your little children with coloring books in, in Sunday school class was a conflict between believers and an unjust government official? Moses going in and rebuking Pharaoh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel with Darius, Esther, and Mordecai with Haman, the apostles with the Sanhedrin. I said, every one of these stories we tell them is, is basically is basically somebody interposing. Somebody, see, we don't understand because, I mean, we're kind of biblically illiterate. We don't understand Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were little kids. These were high-ranking government officials that basically told the king, we're not obeying your law. Daniel was the governor of Babylon. He was one of three governors in the entire Babylonian Empire. The governors had the power of the sword. In other words, they were the ones who were supposed to enforce the law. So when, when Darius in the, in the kind of the Supreme Court of Babylon ruled that you can't pray, not only was Daniel disobeying them, but he was basically setting the example. He was interposing. Not only am I not going to follow this unjust rule, but I'm not going to impose this on anybody below me in the chain of command. And since he was the one that was supposed to do the enforcement power, that's why they wanted to use him as, as kind of an example for the rest of the people. Here's what's going to happen if you don't obey us. And then God, the, you know, he appealed to heaven, God and we know where we're at after that. Absolutely, absolutely. That is that is terrific. Now, uh, one thing that's that's been brought up a few times is uh, the Supreme Court. Now, of course, the Supreme Court is uh, constantly abusing their power, stepping outside of their bounds. And uh, just just this week, um, a a really major Supreme Court case uh, is, is coming down the the pike here, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it has to do with, and I'm sure as soon as I describe it, you guys will know what I'm talking about. Uh, has to do with the the funeral home director uh, who who had hired a, uh, a a man and he worked there I believe for six years and then one day he shows up to to work uh, dressed basically in you know a, a a a skirt he decided that he was uh, he was now a woman and uh, the original ruling was was that the funeral director was was in the right to go in to say no you have to dress according to our dress code. And then the uh, under Obama's administration, uh, the next ruling was was that no, that that's wrong. Uh, the appeal it, it went wrong, and now it's before the uh, the Supreme Court. And uh, are you guys familiar with that that case at all? I have seen that a little bit. Have you seen that, Doctor Diamond? Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. I mean, and you understand it's a strategy that the left has used in this country forever. I mean, you go back to the legalization of homosexuality. I mean, the Supreme Court ruled, you know, back in the 90s um, that, no, that, that the uh, Constitution does not, um, you know, prohibit state sodomy laws. Well, then 10 years later, they just heard the case again and overturned it. Same with gay marriage. They, they ruled 10 years before that that, that, you know, the Constitution does not give, you know, the right to marry one another. Um, and then 10 years later, they overturned it. This is what the left has understood. They will just keep appealing and appealing. It doesn't matter how many rulings they get against them. Once they get one in their favor, now that's the law. Now that's what we have to obey. So the night that they legalized gay marriage, I say legalized because it's not legal, because man does not have the authority to legalize what God has said is illegal. But right. I, I had a Christian post on the Facebook page that said, well, whether we like it or not, it's now the law of the land, and we just have to obey the law. And I said, let me remind you of this, but homosexuals have been breaking our law for the last 40 years, and you weren't standing there telling them they need to obey the law. Right? So that, that, that's what I said about this election. And that's what, I mean, every Every Christian listen to my voice better understand. You better get some voter registrations going in your churches. I mean, the left understands that if 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 Trump wins this next election and he has the ability to appoint two Supreme Court justices, which he probably will, because yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's probably either dead already or on her last, you know, he points to uh, two uh, Supreme Court justices. We get back to original intent. We can restore this nation to, to pre-1960. We can reverse separation of church and state. We can reverse Roe v. Wade. We can reverse the legalization of homosexuality. We can reverse the, the legalization of gay marriage. Everything that they've pushed on us since the 1960s, um, it, it can be reversed from the Supreme Court. And again, the Supreme Court really doesn't even have the authority. Um, that, that, that lies, like you said earlier, that lies within the states according to the Tenth Amendment. So there, there's a couple things we need to do. You need to, you need to want to elect some governors that have some backbone and understand the power that the federal government has and does not have. And then it's what the left is doing with sanctuary cities. I mean, think about it. I mean, everything, everything, federal government has, has jurisdiction over immigration, but you have these, basically these cities interposing kind of in an evil way, saying not only are we going to allow illegal aliens to hear, but we're going to let them vote, we're going to give them driver's license. They're inter interposing, but in, a, in an illegal fashion. The Christian right and Christian Americans need to do the same thing at this level. I mean, I ran for, briefly ran for governor here in Pennsylvania, and I mean, that was one of the first things that I was going to do was shut down every abortion clinic and say, no, my job is to protect life. These people are taking life. I don't care what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court never had any authority to rule on the state of Pennsylvania according to the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. They never had any authority to legalize what God had said is murder. And that's what you need. You need strong state governors, strong state leaders that are willing to tell the, the federal government to go pound salt. That's, that's absolutely right. Let me... Uh... Let me kind of piggyback off of that because um, we, we have a, a governor here that a lot of people really like in Iowa, uh, very popular. Her name is, is Kim Reynolds, and I, uh, I like Kim Reynolds uh, personally uh, in her personality, and I, I enjoy uh, some of the, the things that she says and she stands for. But one thing that really bothers me, it, well, there's two things. One is uh, she said that the, the marriage uh, issue is settled in Iowa. Now, uh, you know, I don't know how, how familiar you keep up with Iowa politics or not, uh, Dr. Diamond, but one thing that happened was after uh, the ruling in, uh, came out that 
that gay marriage uh, was was legal. It was was legal now. The very next election, we went and voted out three Supreme Court justices, which is something that has never happened before anywhere, and I don't think it's ever happened since. And so, obviously, the uh, people of Iowa were very much against that decision. And then the yeah, but what happened was before the federal decision is the state of Iowa Supreme Court had ruled unanimously that homosexual marriage was now legal. That's what Sam's referring yeah. to. So then the, the, the voters of Iowa, then when three of these judges were up for uh, reaffirmation, we voted them out. That's right. And That's awesome. And then the, uh, the, the next thing that, that happened here is we were the first uh, state to pass, I think we're the first state anyway, to pass the, the Harpy Bill. And uh, now the Harpy Bill, there's some issues with that. It's not, it's not true uh, pro-life legislation, but it's, it's pretty close. Um, and what ended up happening, though, was uh, the, the governor went and, and signed it into law, and then a, a county judge. I mean, I, I mean just, just bear with me here for a moment. Polk County. A, a, a county judge came out and said, no, this is, this is unconstitutional. It's, it's wrong. And our governor wouldn't stand up against that. Folded like a chair. Just just folded like a chair. Now, uh, th- th- this is why it is absolutely important and vital uh, to do just what Dr. Diamond was saying here, and that is to get governors with backbone. And, and, and folks, I'll be the first to tell you, in Iowa, Kim Reynolds needs to go. And, and I know that's really going to make me unpopular here amongst uh, the Republican Party and things like that. But look. Uh, she is completely going and ignoring the people of Iowa, uh, just absolutely going and, and taking our values, saying, oh, she agrees with them, but then politically she is going and in, in, in destroying our values. She is sinning against God, and she needs to repent. For the point of political expediency, that's what she's doing it for, like they all do. They want to go along and get along. Um, Dr. Diamond, some of these things that Sam was just talking about spurred a series of articles that you might find interesting. They're on our website. Uh, theshininglightministries.com. Um, they're called Murdering Babies. Our judges uh, Can Judges Make Law? Murdering Babies Part 2. Our judges above the law and Murdered Babies, Legacy of a Dead Nation Walking. You might find those interesting. It's very much in accord with what we're talking about here, and I go into some detail and depth on this situation. Yeah, that, that's perfect. And, that's, and again, that's why I had this conference here. Man, I wanted to pull together a bunch of people that would just educate the American people. I mean, I, I love I loved speaking with Matt Trawella, I mean, both either before or after him, because our message is, is so similar. We have just different, different uh, not even different opinions, but I mean, he, I talk about it really from religious freedom. He's just talking about the general doctrine of interposition. I mean, our, our, our two teachings actually just go so hand in hand, and I I mean, that's really what I'm hoping to do. This is really what I'm trying to do is just take some of these men and go from city to city to city, especially in a lot of those battleground states. And we need to be just having these conferences. We need to be, I mean, because that's how a great awakening happens. Great awakenings don't happen when people sit in the church and wait for people to come to them. Jonathan Edwards and Charles Finney and, and all the rest of them, they went out. They went out to where the people were. And if we don't start implementing that model, you know, that's what I talked about at my conference. If we don't do what the early church did and get out of the upper room and start going from city to city declaring the sovereignty of God over your government officials and everybody else, we're going to be stuck in the position we're in. So that's, that's why I love Matt Chihuahua. That's why I'm just hoping to be able to travel the country with him, um, find churches, you know, that'll, that'll have us in and speak on these issues, and, and hopefully we can spread the word enough to, to make, a, make a real difference for at least 2020, if not for the, for the foreseeable future. 
Well, well, we need to get you into Iowa, so we'll, we'll need to talk about that afterwards, that's for sure. And uh, Matt Truell is not, not too far away from us. Uh, but we need to get you guys both both in here and, and have a, a Faith and Freedom Conference here in Iowa. Uh, that's that's something we, we just need to do. This this sounds this I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited. Uh, and you, you know one of the things that's that's just uh, uh, hurt me here recently is is thinking about you know when you don't have a good governor with a good strong backbone is that it 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 kills the the momentum that goes forward and it, it puts us back into a deeper apathy. And I think that what you're doing with this conference, what you're doing with this book, and uh, appeal appeal to heaven. Uh, and once again, you can go to appealingtoheaven.org and find it there, appealingtoheaven.org, and, and find Dr. John Diamond's book there. But but what you're doing is you're not just going and, and giving us the right tools. You're actually going and telling people how to use the tools. And and, and this is what I'm excited about. Yeah, that, and that's important because, like I said, it's, it's not about just head knowledge. That's what too many conferences have been over the last 20 years is just going in and fill your head with knowledge and not actually, uh, you know, applying or activating any of what you've just learned, which is really the, the difference, I think, in the conference that I just had here. I mean, every one of these men are, you know, interposition and appeal to heaven. Every one of these are really activists. Here's what you have to know, and then here's how you actually apply it to your life, to your government, to your elections, to, to, to your churches, to everything. It, it has, It's just like, you know, they got the Life Application Bible. The Bible is not just a book that you read just to fill your head with knowledge. It's about how do I take these truths and apply them to my life, my government, my family, my job, everything else. We have to understand that everything that me and Matt and every of these guys, the Bill Fetter, we're teaching, all of these things have to be applied. I mean, it's just, it, if you don't apply it, 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 it's no good. I saw a post the other day um, that said, why, well, you know, if, if God is real, why does evil exist? And I think it was a quote from Billy Graham that said, you know, it said Christianity is like soap. <laughs> it's like saying if, if soap is good, why is there so many dirty people in the world? you got to apply it. If you don't apply the soap to the body, you're going to have dirt. If you don't apply Christianity to the, you know, to your nation and to the lives of your people, you're going to have a bunch of dirty and moral people. Same with your government, same with basically every aspect of our society. We need to get by the, beyond this head knowledge stuff and into the application mode. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Well, it's like a lot of Christians um, will read their Bible. And they have an academic understanding of what the Bible says, and they maybe even believe it uh, to a point, but they, they, they don't apply it. They don't believe it to a point where it becomes life-changing for them. They don't have a commitment to it. So these things we're talking about, we need to have a commitment to it. Or what else is our commitment to? Is it to our entertainment? Is it to our gratification? Is it to the fallen culture? Do we worship that? Or do we have a commitment to the Lord? He who created us, he who saved us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I would think gratitude would demand, and if we proclaim the faith, demands, because our, our Bible demands as Christians, there's obligations of being a Christian. Salvation is free, but it costs us everything, as the saying goes. And we should be out there, as the apostles did. Every Christian is called to stand for the faith, and, and because they love people, that they would not go to hell, to tell them the good news of the gospel. And uh, to try to rectify our nation in that fashion, we can't change people's voting habits. We can't change their minds until we change their hearts. And in changing their hearts, we're actually trying to save their souls, or Christ has already done it. We're trying to lead them towards that salvation. But that's how this nation gets turned around. A nation of wicked people are not going to have a sense of right and wrong that we do because they don't acknowledge God. Absolutely, yeah. No, 
like I said, I was a heathen. I didn't get saved. I came out of a sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. I didn't get saved until after I got out of the Air Force. I was 27. And I mean, when I got saved, the Lord radically transformed me from a drunken, drunken, dope-smoking, pornography-watching heathen to, to, you know, being in Bible college within a couple years. So you're absolutely right. The, the change has to take place in the heart first. That, I mean, and then, like I said, when we win those people into the kingdom of God, then we can basically build our army that we can go ahead and turn this nation around. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on uh, to the Shining Light podcast, uh, Dr. Diamond. And I, I do just want to remind everyone to go to appealingtoheaven.org. Once again, that's appealingtoheaven.org. You need to get this book. This book is, uh, I mean, th- this is what we need in America today. We need people appealing to heaven uh, because we have had tyrants who have violated our laws. Or, or excuse me, not our laws, God's laws. And because they've, they've done that, we need to go and to submit ourselves to God by resisting these tyrants and appealingtoheaven.org. It has some answers as to how to do that. But thank you so much for coming on. And is there uh, any any other resources or anything like that that you can think of that uh, you want to point people to? Um, uh, uh, one of ours, another uh, one is teachamericanism.org. We got two videos up there. That's where we just got, uh, we just won some awards at a prestigious film festival down in Texas last week. Um, and then I would definitely get both original intent from David Barton and uh, Doctor of the Lesser Magistrate from, from Matt Trawella. We, we need, man, you get those three books right there and you apply them. Uh, we, we <laughs> the, the three of us have basically just condensed just, you know, hundreds of years of teaching then to something that's very easily digestible. So get, get those three books and, man, your entire worldview will change. And while you're reading those books, do not forget to set aside time every day for the Bible. That is the ultimate truth source. Everything else uh, we put on the side, but the Bible first and then these books to help us understand the world we're living in and the world we used to live in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, your day should start off with prayer and reading. That should be the first things you do. <laughs> sure, the first things you do ever, you know. And then, and then of, uh, later on, instead of turning on the same movie that you saw or the same sitcom you've watched forty-eight times, pick up something that's actually going to benefit you rather than this this fluff that's going to do nothing for you. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I hope everyone has a great day. And for the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with Evil Wyatt. And remember to go to appealingtoheaven.org. Have a great day.